0: Thank y'all for coming to church. Can I tell you that there are a lot of other people out there who would be here today if we had invited them? I want to encourage you, we are in that season now where people are a lot more open to you inviting them to church. They're a lot more receptive. We're getting into the Thanksgiving season. As a matter of fact, our new sermon series deals with Thanksgiving getting a mind of gratitude. We're going to talk about that over the next few weeks. But I want you to really think about your influence as a Christian in the culture outside the church. And we try to make available to you tools. We have invite cards you can pick up. We have just because cards. Whoever used a just because card? And here's what you do with that. You just do a Random act of kindness for somebody. And then you leave a card and it talks about the bridge and how they can find out more about the bridge. Because here's what we preach at the bridge. And you guys have heard this over and over and over. We are a life-giving church, giving life. And the way you give life is to be Jesus to people. And when you, and when you treat people the way we know Jesus would treat people if he was on the earth in his physical form as he was in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When you treat people the way Jesus would, then they want to hear about Jesus. They want to hear about your church. You can't really walk up and just start talking about the Bible and God and all that and just kind of throw it in their face. Be Jesus to people and uh, invite and say, hey, listen, I want to tell you about my church, and you might already be in a church, and if you are, you stay in your church. But if you're not in a church, if you're not visiting or attending a church, we'd love for you to come check us out at The Bridge and then tell them about the Goldsboro campus. Meets on Thursday at 7 and Sunday morning at 11. And then here we meet on Sunday morning at 9 and 11. Four worship opportunities every week for people to be involved in church. So invite, invite, invite. Tis the season to invite people to church. Pick up those Just Because cards. Again, I'll mention that the sermon series is called Minecraft. How many of you uh, know about the video game Minecraft? How many of you have played that game? How many of you are pretty good? I have no idea what it is. So I turned my sermon notes over to the creative team, and they said, this is what your sermon's gonna be called. And I went, all righty then. Because here's my video game. Do y'all remember when the two deals moved up and down like that and hit the ball? Where did that? What happened to that game? That was fun and uncomplicated. And the old people said, how about some pinball where did where did pinball yeah that's my game man all right anyway if you're gonna use uh, if you're gonna make a comment on social media please use that hashtag hashtag minecraft now of course the game is m i n e and our series is m i n d y'all get that Did you see what we did there did you see it did you get that so we're talking about letting God craft your thoughts and craft your Processes your mental processes. We're going to find out today and in the weeks to come that becoming a thankful person has to do with perception. It has to do with who controls your thoughts. If you want sermon notes, you know this. We say it every week. Here's the, here's the email address. You use info at BritishChurch.cc. So let's go to the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, let's go to the first book of the Old Testament, which is the book of... Genesis, exactly. Chapter 6, let's begin with verse 5. Read down through verse 7. This is um, a description of things right before the flood. Right before the flood. Right before Noah and the ark and the flood and all of that. Genesis 6, 5. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. And that, notice this yellow text. Every inclination of the, everybody say that word. Thoughts and of the human was only. Trying to make you feel good about yourself. He's talking about you. He's talking about me. How often? All the time. Next uh, verse. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings. Now, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? Can I just tell you what that means, really? That is, a, that is the broken heart of a father. As he looks down on his creation And in the Garden of Eden, they chose sin rather than him. And ever since they chose sin in the Garden of Eden... Man has just gone down, down, down. When you go away from God, you go down, down, down. When you move toward God, you go up, up, up. Man had been going down. <clears throat> the Lord was watching, of course, everything that was going on. It says that he regretted he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. He was brokenhearted. This is the picture of a broken-hearted father. How many of you know your children can break your heart? What's that old saying, when they're little, they step on your toes, and when they grow up, they step on your heart? Look at the next verse. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created. Now that's that's what you call starting over right there. I, for, because, and he talked about that dot, dot, dot is the animals and everything he created. For I regret that I have made them. From time to time, you will see on a product sold in our country, in our community, you'll see a warning on that product that says, consuming this product may be hazardous to your health. You've seen that. Well, I want to add to that after reading these verses, that wrong thinking could be hazardous to your health too, couldn't it? Messed up thinking. I love um, listening to some motivational speakers, not all of them, but some of them. One of my favorites who's gone to heaven now was the Zig. How many of you know Zig Ziglar? You listen to Zig Ziglar? He talked about stinking thinking. And that's what we're talking about really. We're talking about our mind, the processes of our mind, how we think, because we're always thinking. I mean, even when we're asleep, we're dreaming. We don't remember a lot of our dreams. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you, you don't remember most of your dreams, but you are thinking all the time. You never stop thinking. Your mind is always going. And Zig Ziglar says, if you don't become intentional about it, you will get into some stinking thinking that will mess up your life. And that's really kind of what we want to talk about. I love what Zig Ziglar said about fear. F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. It's how we perceive, it's how we look at things, it's how we see things. As a matter of fact, your joy level in life, your your thanksgiving level, your gratitude level that we're gonna talk about in this series, I'm telling you, it is not really based on what happens to you from day to day. It, It is based on how you see, how you perceive how you mentally digest the things that happen to you day by day. Now, I'll be the first one to admit that, you know, it looks like with some people more bad things happen to them than happen to other people. But can I tell you, everybody has their difficulty. Everybody has their trouble. Everybody has their problems. Can I say this to you, the young and the old, the rich and the poor All races of people, all nationalities of people all over the world, everybody has difficulty. Everybody has problems. We talked about that a lot in the previous sermon, that delicate balance that in every day, God sends a certain amount of blessings. In every day, God either sends or allows a certain amount of difficulties. So we can actually bring that thought into this series as we talk about thanksgiving. In Genesis chapter 6, we see that God destroyed an entire world because of their thought life. Because of their thought life. The Bible says, and let me just reiterate what we just read, every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. And God had to eradicate an entire generation because of their thought life. Because we know that what we think and believe, we do. Eventually, what you think and what you believe, you will do. The wickedness of man springs from his thought life. The wickedness of man springs from his thought life. And that's why it's so essential for your spiritual health, for your mental health, for your emotional health, for your even your physical health, that you surrender your mind to the control of the Holy Spirit. Um, we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. We talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we talk about What shows that we are filled with the Holy Spirit? What shows that the Holy Spirit dominates our life? And that is very clear for us in Galatians chapter 5 in a list called the fruits of the... When those fruits are evident in your life, that is the sign, that is the signal, that is the evidence that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now also the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in you, which is different than the fruits of the Holy Spirit. But the fruits of the Holy Spirit like love and forgiveness and kindness and gentleness and meekness and patience and long-suffering and all those things, some of them that I just put in that list are are synonyms, kind of the same thing. But I would encourage you to go to Galatians 5 because I see a lot of people who go, I'm filled with the Spirit, I'm filled with the Spirit, but i got to tell you, man, There's not much fruit. One of the evidences of the infilling of the Holy Spirit is that you're thankful, is that you're a thankful person. I mean, when it doesn't look like you have anything to be thankful for, guess what? You really do. Holy Spirit-controlled people are able to see the blessing in the darkness, and they're thankful for it. So here's what your prayer is going to be during this series, or here's what I challenge you to make your prayer during this series. Father, teach me to submit my mind to the control of the Holy Spirit. And I will stand up here, and I do this almost every week, and I will stand right up here and say it to you again. I'm praying that prayer for me every day. Because that's where the battle is, man. I'm telling you, that's where the war is. Pastor Farrell, you mean you're our senior pastor and the battle goes on in your mind and and you have an inclination to go in the wrong direction with your thoughts and your inclination is not to go in the right direction? Exactly. My inclination, and I, I love that the Bible was so clear in Genesis, the inclination of their thoughts, the inclination of their mind was not toward good, but it was toward evil. And that's one of the first things we need to recognize because the only thing that can give you the power to think right consistently is your surrender to the domination of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, I don't know what you think that looks like because I I got a feeling there's some people sitting out there right now going, man, I don't want to get weird now. I don't want to be one of those weird Christians. Can I just go ahead and tell you, we already think you're weird. So it's not really going to hurt you that much. <laughs> We're all kind of weird in our own way, aren't we? Listen, I'm not, about, I'm not talking about some super religiosity. I'm not talking about some holier-than-thou. You know, people talk about when they're, I'm filled with the Spirit, and they've got this I'm better-than-you kind of look on their face and in the tone of their voice when they say that. Can I tell you something? When the Holy Spirit controls your life, you're not proud, man. You're more humble. You're far more humble. And when the Holy Spirit controls your life, you're able to see the blessings of God when other people look at your life and can't see God blessing you anywhere. All they see is your troubles, and that's how they view their own life. So, we're talking about in this series how to uh, think about things as God would think about them. We're gonna talk about in this series what the Word of God has to say about the mind. The Bible has a lot to say about your brain, about your mind. We're going to talk about the importance of allowing the Holy Spirit to control your thoughts. We're going to talk about how our thought life is directly linked to the level of gratitude and thanksgiving we possess. You've heard it before. The thought is the father of the deed. The thought is the father of the deed. So if we get our thoughts right, guess what happens to our deeds? They get right. When we think right, we do right. When we believe right, we do right. So it's all in the mind. It's right there in the mind. We live in a world that's going wild with self-centeredness. And the problem with this is they have followed their inclinations. They have followed their flesh. And the problem is in their mind. It's in their thought life. A thought must enter your mind before you act on anything. You never just act without thinking about it first. I like what this poet said. He said, sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, and if you'll sow that act enough times, you'll reap a what? A habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a a life, man. A life. That's how your life is going to be. Galatians 6 and 7, we all know this verse very well. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever, everybody say this part with me. For whatever a man that he will also. Hey, you know, when I think about sowing and reaping, I think about, you know, Pharaoh, don't do the wrong thing today. Don't do the wrong thing. What about thinking the wrong thing? What about thinking wrong What about coming to a place in your walk with God that when you think wrong, you hear this little alarm go off? You hear this little siren go off and go, you're heading the wrong direction with that thought, buddy. What about that? What about when that happens, recognizing and saying, Holy Spirit, control that. Holy Spirit, bring that under control. Um, You know, when we think about the mind and thinking wrong thoughts, a lot of times we think about lust. But what about, what about anger? What about um, jealousy? What about criticism? What about all these thoughts that creep into our mind? I battle with these things. Y'all look really holy today, but I'm telling you, I battle with some of this stuff. Do y'all battle with some of this? And whatever happens in your mind is going to come out of your mouth. It's going to come out through your hands. It's going to come out through your actions. And so what kind of seeds are you sowing in your thought life that you're going to reap what a person thinks he eventually does, what a person believes that a person will eventually do. We don't act upon things we don't think about. We don't act upon things we don't really believe. We act upon what we think and believe. Okay, let's switch gears a little bit. It'll all come together toward the end of the message, but I want to just switch gears here a little bit right in the middle of the sermon. Let me ask you this. What's the hardest commandment in the Bible? What's the hardest commandment in the Bible? Now, I want you to just think about that for a minute. And as you're thinking about it, several examples are probably gonna come up in your mind of, wow, when God said that, I was like, whoa. You know, when the Bible said that, I was like, man, I don't know if I can do that. Can I tell you this? The answer that you come up with that is a hard, hard commandment for you could be, I'm not saying it is, but it could be What the Bible calls a stumbling block in your life. A stumbling block. That is something you struggle with, a place you struggle with, an idea, a thought, an act that you struggle with in your life. So think about that. God has demanded many hard things of us. Can I just go ahead and tell you, God's demanded things of us that's impossible for us to do apart from his power. I want you to get that because the reason some of you are frustrated is because you're trying to obey God without His power. You're trying to obey God and live afar off from God. You know, the Bible talks about Peter over there in the New Testament. The Bible says Peter followed Jesus, but he followed him afar off, he followed him at a distance. And I got to tell you something I think there are some followers of Jesus in the bridge. I think there's some followers of Jesus even on staff from time to time. I know I have struggled from time to time where I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm not following very close. And when I don't follow God very close, when I don't follow Jesus very close in my life, I think wrong. And when I think wrong, I do wrong. I sow the wrong kinds of seeds. So what are those things that you're struggling with. What are those things that when you read in the Bible, you go, I don't know if I can do that. Well, I'm here to tell you I've got great news. You can't. You can't. It's only through his strength and through his power and through your submission to him. But here's the good deal with God, and I've said this before many times. God never gives us a command, never. How often? Gives us a command that he doesn't turn right around and give us everything we need to fulfill it. How do I know that's true? Well, there are many reasons I know that's true. But one of the reasons I know that's true is because he's a daddy. And God isn't just a daddy, he's a good daddy, he's an awesome daddy. As a matter of fact, he says in, his, in the Word of God on one occasion, he says, how many of you would do this for your son, and how many of you would do that? He said, you know, you guys, being evil or being human, he said, you wouldn't even do your kids like that. He said, I want to tell you something. I love your kids more than you love your kids. I love you more than your parents loved you. Not only is is he a father, but he loves you beyond any love that another human being can even give you. He loves you. He loves you. So he's a good father. And what parent would tell their child to do something and then stand back with their arms crossed and go figure it out, buddy? I mean, would you go up to your eight-year-old son and go, hey, wash the car, and then go in the house? You know what you'd give him? Water bucket. Water bucket. Sponge, rag, some soap, water hose, all that kind of stuff. You go now. Here's the tools. You know what else you would do? You'd probably get out there and show him how to do it. And you go, "This is how you're going to use the rag." And some of you parents are out there going, "Hey, that's a good idea." You might. <laughs> yeah, seriously. On the thought of that, making kids do something. Wow. <clears throat> and so, so he gives as a good parent. You give what they need to do what you have commanded them to do. I know that's so simple, but you need to get that. You will never read a command in the Bible, no matter how hard that commandment may seem, that God hasn't given you everything you need, or at least made available to you everything you need to do it. So when I wrote that question down in my sermon, I thought, well, what commandments do I think are really hard? I found ten. I found 10 <laughs> commandments that I thought, I need some Jesus up in here to do these. Can I read you my list? And I know y'all look so holy. I bet y'all are like, I can't think of any hard. I'm doing them all. Sure. Here's one. Rejoice in the Lord always. Really? Seriously? <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord always. So tomorrow... I mean, can, I just, can I just whine a little bit about my surgery tomorrow? Can I just cry about that? What did I tell you? all I need two things from y'all on this thing with my eye. I need prayer and pity and lots of it. Now I got to tell you, I haven't been getting the pity like I really want, so y'all need to work on that. Yep, That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Step up. Get it done. Come on. Man, I got Millie waiting on me. You just wouldn't believe it. I said, give me something to eat, baby. Well, I'm busy. My eye. <laughs> oh, yeah, your eye. <laughs> Loving it, man. Just wait after tomorrow. ha. <laughs> that girl's her, taking her vitamins. Um, so, So, what was I talking about? Let me... So, so, in the, so, first of all, here's some pity. I got to be at the hospital in Greenville in the morning at 5.15. Oh. Exactly. I don't even know what 5.15 in the morning looks like. I've never seen it before. So then I've got to have surgery. Oh. So this verse is telling me to rejoice in my I situation. Is that what it's saying? Rejoice in that? Rejoice in what? The Lord always. So they better get theirself ready in that operating room tomorrow. We're going to have church in the morning. Oh, glory. They're going to go, let's give him some more gas. Here's another hard commandment. Excuse me. Be, pa- be anxious, and this really goes along with the series last week, be anxious for, really? I mean, I would have loved it if he'd have said, don't worry about most stuff. I, I could have done that, but don't worry about anything, really, Philippians 4, the other one was in Philippians 4, 4, and. Uh, the first one, Rejoice in the Lord Always, First Thessalonians 5, 16. <clears throat> this one, Be Anxious for Nothing, is Philippians 4, 6. <clears throat> I don't mind God telling me to pray. I don't mind that one bit. I, I love prayer. Prayer is a part of my life. But pray without, come on, man, seriously, get real. First Thessalonians 5, 17. Matthew 28, 19. I'm from Wayne County. North Carolina, and he said in Matthew 28, 19, go into all the world. And I feel like I'm lost when I get beyond Duplin County. But he told me to go into all the world. Here's a tough one. Matthew 6 and Matthew 18, forgive others when they do you wrong, when they wrong you. Everybody say, help me. Jesus. Leviticus 11 you knew I was going to that Old Testament. That's where the good stuff is. Leviticus eleven. Here's a, here's a good commandment for you: be holy. And here's why. What do you say? Because I'm holy, and <laughs> I know you want to look up there and go. But you're him. You're the you're him. You're I am. You're God. Luke six: be generous. Give abundantly. Ephesians 6, here's one for the kids. Children, what? Obey your parents. All the kids, help me, Jesus. (laughs) Titus 3 and 1, be subject. Boy, this is a tough one these days. Be subject to rulers and authorities. Everybody say, help me, Jesus. And then Malachi 3.10, you knew I had to throw this one in. Give 10 cents out of every dollar you earn. That's tough stuff, man. That's hard in my humanity, in my flesh, that's hard. And as we said in the beginning of this message, after mankind fell into sin, God said that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Therefore, he destroyed the entire world through the flood because of the thought life. I mean, he's really clear about that. They were messed up in their thinking. Now, God said, Pharaoh Hardison In your humanity, apart from me, all of your thoughts are inclined toward evil. Every single one of them are inclined toward evil. But then he turns right around, and I want you to look what he says to me to do in Ephesians 6 and verse 20. He says, Pharaoh Hardison, you're the dude in Genesis 6 that every thought you have is evil. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to give thanks always for all things. Hey, God, I'm the one that has evil thoughts all the time. How in the world am I going to give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? How am I going to do that, God? I don't have the power. Here's another verse. I'm trying to make you guys feel good about yourself. Look at Jeremiah 17 and 9. Your heart, your human heart, my heart, Pastor Andy Stovall's heart, I just thought I'd throw his name in there. The heart is what? Above all things. And what? Who can know it? And, and right after he says that in Jeremiah, we go to Ephesians 6:20 that I just showed you, and he says, "With that kind of heart, give thanks always for all things to God." Ephesians 6 and 20, I discovered most people think that is the hardest commandment in the Bible, and I'm inclined to agree with that. Give thanks for all things at all times, always. But at the same time, I've also been studying and discovered that when you obey this command to be thankful, allowing the Holy Spirit to so control your thoughts, that you are thankful in the darkest times. You are thankful in the hardest. It's easy to be thankful when everything's great. It's easy to be thankful when the doctor goes, man, you're in perfect health. You go by the bank, you got a thousand more dollars than you thought you had. You go to work, you get a big raise. You, you, you invest in something, you get a big return. Uh, your, your kids are doing well. Everything. You know, it's easy to be thankful then. Here's what God's saying to us. I want you to be thankful all the time. I want you to be thankful always because, when, listen to this. And I got to tell you this. This is so important. When God tells us to do something and we do it, guess who is the beneficiary? We are. Every, listen, every time God said don't do something, if you will obey that, you get blessed. Every time God said do something and you do it, you get blessed. Every time you obey one of God's commands, you are the one who benefits. Now, it benefits God because he's a father, and what father doesn't like to see his children behave? His children do what they said, of course. You bring glory to God. You bring honor to God. As a matter of fact, i got to tell you, one one of the highest forms of worship to your God is when you do what he said, when you obey him. So, So when we learn to be thankful in the dark times, here's what that means. You have surrendered your mind to the power of the Holy Spirit, to the control of the Holy Spirit, because you can't do that on your own. You can't do that apart from God. Let me give you a little story to illustrate. I want to tell you the legend of the devil's seed barn. This guy found the devil's seed barn it was where the devil kept the seeds he sows into the hearts and lives of human beings. And the man noticed that there was a, an abundance, a superabundance of one particular kind of seed. And it was the seed of discouragement. And so he asked Satan, he said, hey Satan, why do you have so many discouragement seeds? And the devil said, well... I have found that if I can sow discouragement into a person's life, then I can get almost anything else I want into their life after that. He said the seeds of discouragement will sprout almost anywhere except in the heart of a grateful person. And I thought that was a perfect little story there. To illustrate to us that when we are thankful in all things, always, the benefit is to us. Because really, when you think of it in the light of the scriptures I've been reading, and you think of it in the light of this little story that I just told, thanksgiving is a weapon. When you aren't thankful, your, your um, defense against the enemy lowers, it weakens. The enemy has a bigger advantage to get to you and bring those negative things into your life that he wants to. But man, when you're always thanking God, When you're always seeing the blessing, when you're always seeing what God's doing in your life, even when nobody else can see it, your spouse can't see it, your children can't see it, you see it, I see what God's doing. Yeah, I don't like this, and I don't want to go through this, and I wish I didn't have to go through this, but man, God is being so good to me, and he is going to be good to me in the valley. There was a place in the Old Testament where the Jewish people fought a very evil enemy. And they fought them on the mountaintop and won the victory. So that evil enemy said this. They said, well, the reason they won is because their God is a God of the mountaintop. That's why they won. Their God is a God of the mountain. And so then they met in the valley, and the people of God won the battle in the valley as well because our God is not just a God of the mountaintop, and I love that. How many of y'all love the mountaintop? I love being on the mountaintop. How many of you know I don't spend much time there, and you don't either? Most of the time, we're going through the valley or somewhere in between, and the Bible says, Jesus said it of himself, I am the what? Lily of the valley. I'm not just a God of the mountain. I'm a God of the valley. And some of you are in that valley today. Some of you are in that valley right now. Some of you feel lost in that valley this morning. And you're trying to see the blessings of God and you're trying to see the presence of God. And the enemy's working so hard to make you think God has abandoned you and and your friends have abandoned you and Christians have abandoned you and he's trying to get you bitter and he's trying to get you negative and he's trying to get you to see things that aren't there. I want you to see something that is there that's hard to see and that is the presence of God in that valley. God's with you in that valley. And if you will press through every lie of the enemy and you will reach out and say, God, I don't see you, I don't feel you, but I know you're there because you promised you would be there. I'm reaching out for you. I'm telling you, it's like that old song we used to sing when I was a little boy standing somewhere in the shadows. What? You'll find Jesus. Maybe that song was too old for y'all. But there's an old song that says that standing somewhere in the darkness, in the shadows you'll find Jesus. That is a word for somebody here today. You have prayed, you've done everything you know to do, but your mind stays in that negative. God wants you to just make yourself available to the work of the Holy Spirit in you and in your mind. and and. Say, God, give me strength. I know you've commanded me to be thankful in all things, always, but I'm struggling, I'm struggling, I'm struggling. Surrender to the work and the power of the infilling and baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life. That is the sign that reveals to everybody that man, that woman has something I don't have because in the darkest hour of their life, their hands are lifted in praise to God. Let me close by talking about four things real quickly, four stages of thanksgiving. And if you see yourself in this, you know, just admit it and begin to work on it. Uh, No pointing at other people while I'm going through this list, we don't allow that. Number one, stage one, levels of thanksgiving. These are people who are not only ungrateful, They complain about everything. Now, I know y'all don't know anybody like that. And can I just be honest with y'all? Most of those people come to the second service. (laughs) But I need to preach this at all services. Are y'all okay with it? So I'm going to talk about it here. And that's people who complain. I mean, have you ever just been around people like that? Have you been around people who just complain about they can't find positive? They can't find good in anything. I heard a story about a woman we married a man like that. I picked on the women real bad a couple of weeks ago. I thought I'd pick on some men today. He found fault in everything. Nothing pleased him. He whined and complained and belly ached every minute of every day. And one morning she got out of bed and she was determined to please him. And with her sweetest voice she said, Sweetheart, what would you like for breakfast? I'll cook you anything you want and I'll cook it any way that you want it. He said, all right, I want uh, two pieces of toast, one whole wheat and one white bread. I want the whole wheat bread lightly buttered, and I want nothing on the white bread. And uh, I want two eggs, and I want one fried over easy, and I want the other one scrambled. Got it? She said, yes, sweetheart, I've got it. She prepared this meal carefully, exactly as he had instructed, but she noticed that as he was eating, he still had this sour look on his face. She said, darling, what's wrong? He said, you scrambled the wrong egg. (laughs) Mm. There are people like that. You just can't please them, doesn't matter what you do, doesn't matter what you don't do, they're just gonna always complain. Y'all got people in your mind right now. You're seeing faces in your mind right now. Stage two. Now these are people who don't complain all the time. They're just a little above that. These people are just not grateful at all. They're just not grateful. I mean, they don't complain. They, they don't, they're not uh uh, whining much, but they, they just aren't thankful for anything. Uh, many people may not be bitter complainers. They're just unthankful. Did you know that there is a list of sins that Paul gives to look for in the last days? And Man, when you go through that list, it's in, it's in uh, the, his writings to Timothy. He goes through sins that we need to look for. And when we see these sins at a high level, we'll know that Jesus is coming soon. And he's talking about all kinds of perversions and murder. And <clears throat> he's talking about all kinds of terrible, horrible things. And you know what? Right in the middle of that list, you know what's there? Unthankful hearts. I mean, he's going through this list of stuff that we go, amen, 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 get them, Paul, get them, Paul. And then he nails all of us. He goes, unthankfulness. And I got to tell you guys, I think we live in one of the most unthankful times in the history of man. Jesus is coming soon. These people who are ungrateful, one writer said, they're like a hog under an acorn tree. They just lay there eating the acorns, but they never look up to see where they're coming from. A lot of folks like that. Number three, stage number three. These are the people who are only grateful for blessings to them. They're grateful to, for their health. They're grateful for their food and their provision and their blessing. They're thankful for something good that happens to their children or to their family. But they really are unconcerned about others. They really aren't thankful for anything that doesn't directly benefit them. I pastored a guy like that, not here in this church, but in one of the other churches I pastored before coming here. He um, wanted everybody to think and believe that he was one of the most spiritual men in the church. If you didn't believe he was one of the most spiritual men in the church, ask him, He he would show you, he would tell you. And so I remember one Sunday, I'd never seen this man cry, I'd never seen him cry. And I remember one Sunday he was, when we got to church, he was crying. He was weeping. And I thought, man, we're going to have church up in here today. He was on the worship team and he was standing up there worshiping and he was standing up there with his hands up and tears were And I thought, man, we're going to, God's going to move in the house today, buddy. Because you see that guy crying. And I went up to him and people were gathering around him. You know what he talked about? that he had had some goldfish in a tank he had and he had, they were his first ones and he had found them belly up that morning and I was like, are you kidding me? Sushi, baby, come on. <laughs> Seriously. It affected him. It affected his life. And it was the first time I'd ever seen him shed a tear. And the reason he was crying is because his kids were so upset. But guys, we be thankful for what's going on in your life. But my goodness, look around at the blessings others are enjoying and rejoice with them. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it talks about love. And love rejoices with those who have been blessed. Not just yourself, but others. And then the fourth stage, of course, is the stage we talked about today. And that is when you learn to thank God for all things in all situations. It's the highest level of thanksgiving that you, uh, and and that thanksgiving will get you through the hard times. Look, not only is it saying, I'm going to be thankful even in the hard times, you're saying, I'm going to be thankful in the hard times, and my thanksgiving is actually going to help me get through this hard time. See, every time you obey, it's for your benefit. And that kind of thanksgiving, that level of thanksgiving, can only come from a heart that is fully surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit because you don't have that capability. Listen to me. You don't have the capability to be thankful for all things always. You can't do it. But when you surrender to the one who made the command... He will give you every tool you need to do it. And the people said, look what it says in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 2. You can be transformed by allowing the Holy Spirit to renew your mind. That's the goal of this series. Holy Spirit of God. Many of you know Christ. You have a personal relationship with Christ. And by the way, if you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, we want to introduce you to Christ today. So please come and let us pray with you after this service. But many of you know Christ, but you haven't taken that next step and said, now, you are my Savior. I want you to be my master. Thank you for saving me. I want you to master me. I want you to rule. I want you to dominate. I want you, Holy Spirit, to fill me, baptize me. I want my thoughts, I want my actions to be controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you'll do that, living the Christian life will get so much easier for you. Because when you're trying to live the Christian life and you're depending half on God and you're depending the other half on you, you're just going to be frustrated all the time. You're just going to be frustrated and aggravated and you're going to have questions and you're going to have questions about God and you're going to have questions about his promises. You're not going to say those questions to people because you were taught never to even think like that and you're just wondering, if I'm a Christian, why am I having all these mental battles about God in my life and why doesn't God keep, I'll tell you why. It's because you're holding on to God with one hand and you're holding on to yourself with the other hand. Let go. And take hold of God with both hands and let him be your master and you will see things change in your life. And you'll be coming up to me going, Pastor, I'm on that journey and I'm making progress and I can't believe the difference. Let's all stand together, would you?